Welcome to the Wellspring Church Podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus' love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, Great to see you and great to at least connect with those of you watching from home. Last week, Tim uh, began, he launched our theme for the year, which was called and is called Building Together. We are building together, or God is building us together. And uh, Tim used an illustration last week of um, flipping a house. And uh, if you're not down with the grand design speak, that basically means to refurbish, to renew, to restore, to make new a house. And it just so happens that we are the house of the Lord. We're in the house of the Lord, if you will, and there is some refurbishments going on downstairs. But we are the house of the Lord, and God is flipping us. Okay, and uh, so we're really excited to have this kind of prophetic invitation from God that he will build us together, that he will flip us. And uh, in three kind of ways we've, uh, look, we're going to be looking at through this year, and that is through a home. So Jesus is calling us a house of God, but actually he's calling us to be a home for the brokenhearted, for those who are poor and needy. He's calling us also to be a family, a family that loves one another and embraces one another, cares for one another, and also he's calling us to be a family that's under the leadership of God, and through his leadership, leading through us. And so today, um, the title of my message is Flipping Leadership, okay? Flipping Leadership, and uh, for many of you here, maybe uh, you feel leadership is not for you, and, uh, and that may be the case, but actually... Uh, let me just assure you, the word today is for everyone, yeah. is for us, is for us to be built together. And I know with a lot of things going on in leadership and what we've seen, I could understand that you may be cynical about leadership or not really trust in leadership. Well, Jesus is going to flip leadership for us today. So are uh, you ready for it? Yeah? Fantastic. Well, get your word, get your Bible, and please will you open it to Matthew chapter 20, and we're going to read verses 20 through to 28. And just so you know what's the context of this passage in Jesus' life and ministry so far, um, he's revealed that he's the Messiah to his disciples. Uh, So Peter has announced him or says he is the Messiah, and Jesus takes hold of that. And then from, from that time, Jesus predicts his death three times. And at the, uh, where we're taking the passage from today, Jesus has just for the third time predicted his death. So that is where the disciples have journeyed with Jesus so far. So let's read. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right And the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? (laughs) We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. 
These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here, James and John's mum may have been called Mary. Um, She has this request, and the request is for the top seats in heaven on either side of Jesus, to the left and the right. That's what this loving mother cares for. And uh, Jesus, rightly, in this request, he mentions, you, you, have it. you do not know what you're asking for. You haven't considered the cost. Um, I don't know about you, but every time Christmas comes around, one of the exciting things is the sales, right? And um, so uh, the sales this year, we, me and Han, we, we were wondering, maybe, maybe we could do with another sofa, you know? So uh, we started checking out the sales because we thought, well, well, we'll get a sofa in the sales. Easy job, right? Easy done. The sales, they'll bring down prices. And uh, safe to say, we do not have a new sofa. And uh, it's because we haven't considered the cost. Because even in those sales, a sofa is quite expensive, right? <laughs> and so we today need to really consider what we're looking for, what we're looking to, what we're looking at in life, and what we're asking for and potentially signing up to. So here we have Mary asking for her children, her sons, her boys to have a high place, a place of prominence among Jesus. And Jesus says from this verse, from 26, he says... um, If you want to be great, you must be a servant. If you want to be first, you must be a slave. He's already said in this chapter, actually, there is a parable before this where he says the first shall come last and the last shall come first. And he's even said before this about being last. But being a slave in this kind of culture in this day, that's... That makes me feel weird even saying it. But actually, this is what Jesus calls his followers to do, to be a servant and to be a slave. My first point today is that Jesus flips leadership. We are called to serve. We're not called to be served. We're called to serve. And Jesus flips leadership in the way that leadership is no longer leadership, it is servanthood. That is the definition I see of Jesus calling out leadership to be servanthood. And so when Jesus looks at what the Gentiles do, and the reason he he mentions the Gentiles isn't simply because he's saying that the foreigners, the non-Jews, he's saying it because the Gentiles weren't under God's rule and reign. So they're doing it the worldly way. They're not doing it God's way. And so a Gentile way of leadership is to rule over and to exercise authority over where Jesus is saying, come under. Not about being above, but being 
below. Not about being at the top of the list, but at the bottom. Not about being first, but being last. And we see this so very clearly in Jesus. Jesus, who was in heaven, heaven above, in the highest of heaven, and he came below to earth on our field, on our plane. Jesus, who was in the highest heaven, on the throne, made the deliberate choice in agreement with his Father and the Holy Spirit that he would, in his incarnation, come to Mary's womb. From Mary's womb, he would be born into a feeding trough. Highest heaven. Over and above, and he comes down and below to serve. And then what about Jesus' life from birth onwards? Well, Jesus, he's under Roman occupation and Roman rule. King of heaven, all authority, and he's under Roman occupation and rule. Not only that, he's under the law. He's under the Torah, the Jewish teaching. He submits and surrenders unto as well. And then by the way he lives his life, we know Jesus came and served many people. And not just the Jewish people, but the foreigners, the Gentiles, even the Romans who were occupying him. He served so many people and it was surprising. It was refreshing. Jesus was flipping leadership to be servants, to be servanthood. We are called to serve if we're going to follow in Jesus' example. And so one of the best examples, if we're going to look at Jesus serving, we have to turn to John chapter 13, the washing of the disciples' feet. And so we don't have the time to unpack the whole of it now, but uh, if you want to turn to it, I've got one verse, verse 14 from John chapter 13, that kind of speaks. But here we have Jesus Okay. The night of his betrayal, before that, his last meal with his disciples, and we have him washing his disciples' feet. Now, what we have to know, if you didn't already know, back then your feet would get caked in mud and muck and sand because they walked, they kept walking everywhere. There was no Ubers. They were just walking around, and they were talking, and they were meeting people, and lots of dirt got on the feet. And Jesus washed his disciples' feet, and the thing is, the practice of that day, it would be the lowest servant or the lowest slave with the lowest role to wash the feet. And Jesus does so even though he acknowledges he is their Lord and teacher. John 13 verse 14. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Jesus, Jesus acknowledges he's teacher and Lord, yet he's willing and surrendering to wash his disciples' feet. Remember, John the Baptist said, I'm, I'm not even worthy to untie the straps of your sandals. Well, Jesus goes one lower and washes the feet. Notice in the passage of Matthew 20, when he's asked about the chairs on either side of him, the throne either side of him, Jesus himself says, I do not know. That's for my father to decide. Jesus, who is equally God, Jesus, who is God, is okay to surrender and submit to the will of the father to say, that's not my role, that's the father's role. 
In the way that we serve one another, we are equal. God loves us all equally. He accepts us. He forgives us. He cares for us. There is grace for all of us. But we may be led in different ways. We definitely will have different roles. We'll definitely have different giftings and capacities. But that's okay. Jesus didn't mind. We shouldn't mind also. We're here to serve. Now, Jesus did the literal thing, yes. He washed his disciples' feet. And um, yes, they would have continued to wash their feet, literally. But think about what he's saying there. He's actually calling his disciples to wash one another in the way that life gets messy, life gets dirty. There's pain, there's suffering, there's guilt that people carry, there's shame that people carry. We're alone a lot of the time, there's loneliness, there's illness, there's sickness. And Jesus is saying, wash one another, care for one another, care to the needs of each other. And what I love in this passage, at the end of that uh, part of Jesus washing the disciples' feet in John 13. He says, and you will be blessed. There's a promised blessing if we serve. So hold on to that because we'll get back to that later on. So I didn't want to bring out and get really so practical about, well, how do you serve? Because it's going to look different for different people. But it is important that we get practical. But I thought I'd just help you with a definition, at least, and a a definition that comes from Scripture. This is from Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. This is the Apostle Paul. And this is how he says we should regard one another. In the NIV, it talks about having the same attitude of Christ. This is what it says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Jesus flips leadership. We are called to serve, not be served. Now, here's a difficulty, because I do believe most people here, maybe all people here, We are willing, we have the attitude to serve and to care for people and to care for people within our family, particularly also our church family. But let's be honest. It's okay to be honest. We're busy people. And there's a lot of excuses that come up in our busyness, right? And I I don't want to downplay. It's not just busyness. You are going through a lot of stuff, right? I'm sure in this room, people are going through a lot of stuff. They're struggling, they're suffering, they're carrying things, they're carrying other people's burdens, and it's difficult for them. Difficult maybe for their family. There's a lot going on. And sometimes because of that, we give ourselves room to say, well, in a season when when things are better for me, when when I've got more time, when I'm more available, let's just look back at Jesus again. What was the night that Jesus washed his disciples' feet? What was that night? That was the last meal he was going to have with his disciples before he went to the cross. Jesus, as you know later on from the Garden of Gethsemane, his mind was full. I've got a mission to accomplish. I've got to save the world. I'm going to die on a cross. Yet, yet, 
he still found time to wash his disciples' feet. Teacher and Lord, very important job, very important role, carrying the weight of sin or, or carrying this care for salvation for the world, yet for 12 men, he got down on his knee and washed their feet. Incredible. We have to do the same. According to the will of God, and I, I don't want to belittle what you guys are going through, but you're still called to serve, as am I. Through the rough patches of life, through the difficulties of life, we are called to serve. It's not start, stop, start, stop. We are called to serve if we're following Jesus. The second point I have today is Jesus flips us. So he flips leadership and he flips us. We are called saints. We are called to serve and we are also called saints. And what I mean by this, because saints has a bit of religiosity to it, is simply that you are set apart. And I'll go through this a bit more. But Jesus flips us because he turns our lives around. He doesn't make us just do handstands and headstands. What he's actually meaning there is that we'd be less like ourselves, which in the world and in culture today is be you, be you, be whatever you want to be. He says, be less like yourselves and be more like Christ, be like him. And particularly in this focus for the point today, when you say, well, David, what do you mean be like Christ? Christ is righteous. And because he's righteous, he's in the right relationship with God the Father. Jesus flips us, which means we were once not righteous or unrighteous. In verse 28, Jesus shares that he's going to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, the word ransom, if you define it, give it some definition, it means to pay a price for somebody who's been captured or is a slave. It is to pay a fee for their freedom. And what you may know is that before we have a relationship with God, before we have Jesus in our lives, here's the thing. We're not just sinners. We're slaves to sin. We are slaves to sin before Jesus, which means we are, we are controlled by our flesh. We are controlled by our sinful nature. We are we're controlled by our selfish thoughts, needs, ambitions. We're controlled by them. And Jesus has come so that we no longer need to be slaves to sin. Yeah. From sinners to saints. That's it. You're saying it. From sinners to saints. Jesus has flipped us. And uh, I want to just unpack a bit more about being a slave to sin. And you'll find that in Romans chapter 6, 22. Now, there's a lot of context there that talks more about it. And we don't have that kind of time. But I simply want to read out what the Apostle Paul says in verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin, because it's life, death, and resurrection, your belief and your faith, your trust, your obedience in him, and have become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness 
being set apart, and the result is eternal life. We are flipped and we are called to be saints, and saints are set apart to be like Jesus and to follow in Jesus' righteousness. We've been set apart to follow Jesus' kingdom his way. Not even set apart to do things our way, but set apart to do things his way. And so I just want to give a a flip on perspective. Many of you may have heard the phrase or even said the phrase, uh, I'm a sinner saved by grace, which is true at the transaction, at the turnover. But you no longer are sinners saved by grace. You are saints. That is your reality. That is your status. You don't flip back. There is no return policy on this. You are a saint. Um, A friend of ours says, uh, if you want a phrase, you are a saint who occasionally sins. (laughs) And so, yes, we still mess up. And it's still good to come before the Lord and ask for forgiveness. But in Jesus' eyes, in God's eyes, God's the Father's eyes, he sees you in Christ. And what is Christ? Righteous. You are in Christ by faith. And because of his payment, not yours, not because of your good works, but because Jesus paid the ultimate price, the ransom, you are free to be a saint now and forevermore into eternity. Let's move on then. Jesus flips us. We are called saints. And let me just say, this is who we are. That's your identity. You are set apart for God. And that moves us into my third point today. So Jesus flips leadership. Jesus flips us. Jesus flips our purpose. We are called to seek his kingdom, Jesus' kingdom first. Not our will, his will. Not our way, his way. You see, in the passage of Matthew chapter 20, the mother uh, Mary of James and John, she was caring for the chair, the throne, the seating arrangements of heaven, right? And uh, Jesus says, This is wonderful in some ways because it shows such great faith. This woman has faith that Jesus can offer up the chair, although she's wrong. But she thought Jesus could offer up the the, the chair because he knows, she knows Jesus is Lord. And she also has relationship to even ask such a request. But she hasn't considered the Father's will. And not even just the Father's will, the Father's will for her boys, James and John. The question really is, rather than looking at the chair, are you willing to take Jesus' cup? Jesus makes a request about the chair, the thrones, to be about his cup. Not your chair, my cup. Can you take my cup? And obviously James and John, the sons of thunder, the hot-headed ones, are like, yes, we will. And Jesus says, indeed you will. James ends up being a martyr for Jesus. To fulfill his purpose, purposes in life, he's martyred. And you can read about that in Acts. 
John, on the other hand, the disciple that Jesus loved, he loved all of them, but the beloved disciple was exiled to Patmos. And you get revelation. You can hear about that there. For the sake of the kingdom. Jesus, what happened to Jesus? Well, Jesus was crucified for the sake of his father, for the kingdom, so that the world could be forgiven of their sins, so that many could receive the payment and be received into all righteousness, to be set apart. But when Jesus went to the cross, before that, he was in the garden. And in the garden, under great stress, I love this part. That it, I thank God that this is included in the scriptures. Jesus says, Father, will you take this cup from me? I do not want to drink from it. I do not want to do it, but not my will, but your will. Are we willing? Even though the cup isn't as glamorous as the chair that we would want to fix our eyes on, are we willing to take Jesus' cup? It's not about my chair. It's about his cup. Tim mentioned last week, we care so much about comfort in life. But actually, what we're called to is his cause. We're called to his cup. We're called to his purpose. Jesus flips our purpose so that we're about seeking his kingdom first. And Jesus mentions this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Many of you may know it. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Point two, saints. And what? And all else will be given unto you. Blessing. Point one. We don't serve simply to be served, but God in his grace continues to bless us when we do. It's his very nature. And so Jesus here, like what, what we've heard about Jesus, he literally loved his disciples to death. Right? You know that phrase we say, oh, I love you to death, or I love that daughter to death, or I love that puppy to death. Well, Jesus literally loved the whole world to his death. From being the author and creator of life itself, from being the high king of heaven, he gave his life for us. He paid the ultimate price. You have been paid for by the ultimate price. Therefore, you are valuable. You are priceless. You are cared for. Jesus loves you so much, he gave his life for you. Not just in order so that you will bow, but so that you would know him, love him, and care about the things that are on his heart. Mary, the mother of James and John, she knelt down and worshipped, but then gave a request. She bowed the knee in order to get. This is not how it works in God's kingdom. It's not a transaction with God. We don't give so we can get. We don't give so we can receive. We don't serve with the purpose that it will come back round to serve us. We give because we've already got. We give because we already have. We have the blessing, the fullness of Christ. Yeah. 
and we have a relationship with God the Father through him. We have his righteousness. We're seen through him. So I just wanted to come through this. It was love that was the motivation. Love's got to be our motivation. But what is love in this day and age, hey? So many competing understandings of love. Well, I thought it'd be helpful. I've written up my own definition of love, but it's definitely based from Philippians 2. So let's just have a read of this together. Love is a deliberate choice to prefer serving others over yourself according to the will of God as an end in itself. And the reason it's important to put as an end in itself, it's not just a funny saying, it's just to make sure we realize we don't give to get. We give simply to give. We give because we love. Love is the motivation. And it got me thinking last week, John, um, Tim preached and shared from John chapter 13. In fact, it's the same chapter a bit further on from the foot washing. Jesus says, this is how the world will know you are my disciples. It is your love for one another. Amen. But Jesus doesn't call us to just be emotional about one another. Jesus doesn't just call us to know our brother and sister. I'll say, oh yeah, that's my brother in church, or that's my sister in church, that's somebody I know in church. That's not how the world will know you are my disciples. And it's not simply just saying, oh, I agree with my brother, or I agree with my sister. No. No, it's not. Love is sacrificial. True love costs it's not a feeling. It's not simply a feeling. It's not knowing. It's about loving and serving. And when we look at this passage uh, that Tim referenced last week, love and serve one another. He's talking to disciples. So really what he's talking about is love and care for the family, the family of God. And so you may think, well, David, you're just prioritizing the church because the church needs help and things like that. Well, maybe slightly, yes. But it's more so to do with the call of God for everybody, for our discipleship, for the way we live according to the purposes of God and seeking his kingdom first. We are actually called to love and serve the family. And notice even Jesus, even though he loves and cares for the whole world, who did he come for first? Came for the Jews, came for his people, and yet he still loved the Gentiles and he still served different people, but he came to the Jews first. I want to encourage us to really love this family. If Jesus is going to flip this family, it's going to take this family loving one another as Christ has loved us. And there's many things I could say for you to get involved with in terms of love. To love this family is to serve this family. Let me tell you about the rota upon rota upon rota that we need filling to help serve the family. Thing is with that, and we do need help, but... It's not simply about fulfilling a rota. It's not just giving so you can get, right? It's not simply box ticking. It's not simply bookkeeping. It's really about loving one another. Loving brothers and sisters intentionally. Means meeting together, praying together, caring for one, other, one another's needs. This is what the, the world will see. When you're so loved and cared for, when you're sick and you said somebody came from my church and looked after me. You see, relationships and love, if we're really going to be real, authentic relationships, we cannot expect us to be known simply from our Sunday services, from our media posts or from your posts about how great church was. 
The world will know because we are in relationship with one another to a point where we're caring and serving beyond our own means, beyond our own needs to care for the other. And so I'm not here to guilt trip. I am encouraged there are structures in place to help us as a church family. And one thing I will mention, Grow Groups is a group where people come together to relationally, intentionally connect over the word and learn together and care for one another. But regardless of structure, the call is to journey with people as part of this church family in an intentional way. And you cannot do that without regularly meeting with intentional purpose. Coming on a Sunday is great, and we have a good time together. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Change, transformation, prayers happen. But if you want to really love one another as Christ has loved, you have to walk together, just as Jesus walked with his disciples. So much so that I reckon some of the mud and dust was kicked up on one another. And yet, they're called to what? Wash one another's feet. So I just want to leave you with that, okay? Love one another as Jesus has loved you. Flipping leadership. We are called to serve, not be served. We are not sinners anymore in Christ Jesus. We are called saints. And we are called not to seek our own kingdom, our own comfort, but we are called to seek first the kingdom of God, his will and purpose. So I'm going to end now with just simply reading a passage of scripture, Galatians 6, verses 9 and 10. This is what the Apostle Paul says. And I want us to just be thinking of, how is the Lord leading me? How is Jesus speaking into my life to serve and to love? Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Jesus, we thank you that you're flipping brilliant. We love you, Lord. I pray right now, Lord God, with every heart here, that we would be open to your spirit right now to lead and to guide us in how you're calling each and every person here within this family and those attending today how to love and serve. Spirit of God, would you speak to us? Help us to listen. Help us to hear you. And I also ask, Lord God, that you would help us to trust and obey. Thank you, Lord, you've called us to serve. And thank you, we're already recipients of your service. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wasping Church, or how you can grow in others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or by joining us on Sundays at 9am and 11am in person and online.